välkomna till internationell författarscen. Jag heter Ida Linde. Och jag heter Athena Farrochsad. Och vi är programansvariga för litteraturen på Kulturhuset Stadsteatern. Alldeles strax ska ni föra författaren Pilar Quintana i samtal med Hanna Nordenhög. Varmt välkomna. Vi kom till en mörk skogsglänta. Där fanns träd som var täckta av mossa, växter med stora blad, stockar som rasat och förmultnade på marken och en gatlykta som var täckt av en orange, liksom rostfärgad beläggning. Sen kom en kurva och i slutet av kurvan ett stup. Vi gick fram, långsamt, osäkra. Ett par smala träd höll i sig i bergets klippiga vägg. Marken störtade tvärt ner i avgrunden som om den var avhuggen med en yxa. Jag kände mig liten. Det lilla barnet som häpnades över trappan i vår lägenhet bakom säkerhetsgrinden, men utan grinden. Jag inför en riktig avgrund utan något annat än min kropp. På den platsen var ravinen smal och där nere rann floden som samlade ihop bergets bäckar och åar igentäppt av växter en otämd djungel. Jag tänkte på de döda kvinnorna. Att kika ner i stup var att möta deras blick. Gloria Inés blick. Högdragen som ett sto och sedan mosad mot trottoaren. Jag såg på mamma som precis som jag lutade sig mot avgrunden. Det är bäst att vi går tillbaka, sa hon. Welcome. I'm so happy to 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 be here with you today. Um, you um, had your uh, international breakthrough with uh, La Perra. You have written uh, several novels uh, and short stories also before. Uh, but La Perra was the one that that um, gave you a more international rec- recognition. It was written in 2017. Tiken is the Swedish translation by Anna-Karin Torbun. And uh, then in 2021 you um, uh, came the novel Los Abismos, Avgrunderna, also an award-winning and, and hugely praised novel. Uh, and for me, uh, reading you uh, was a little bit of a revelation. It was this kind of feeling uh, that that kind of intense feeling uh, you rarely get when you read nowadays. And uh, it reminded me actually of my first readings of uh, Nathalie Sarrot and uh, Marguerite Duras. Those uh, magical uh, books that that really have have changed me, actually. And I think also with Sarrot, you uh, share this sharp eye for uh, the invisible uh, understreams in, in the relations be- between people, uh, the, the hidden uh, abysses, if you mm-hmm. like, between uh, people and words. And with Duras you have this, um, you share this sense of a, of a wild, also hidden sphere of uh, desire and violence that seem also to haunt your characters and lead them into existential states uh, where they suddenly become strangers to themselves, I feel. Um, so, Pilar, there are many differences between these two books. Um, I have the one in Spanish, uh, La Perra, and, and here is this beautiful book, Avgrunderna. Uh, but they're also, they're also, they also have many things in common, and I think we will return to that subject because it's quite interesting to see uh, the the connections between the two books. Uh, 
both of them center around a female character. Uh, in La Perra, it's Damaris, a woman, a poor woman in the Pacific coast of Colombia that adopts a dog uh, and, and gives the dog the name of her unborn daughter because she can't have children, Chirli. And then we have in Los Abismos the eight-year-old child, Claudia, that lives in a fairly wealthy family in Cali in the 1980s. That also are, is the period of your own childhood. Um, and she, she, long, she longs for the love uh, that she rarely gets from a more and more depressed mother. Uh, one could say that a major theme in these two novels is motherhood, another is loss and isolation. But if we stay a little bit with Los Abismos uh, uh, in the beginning here, how, how did this little girl, Claudia, come to you? Why, what was it that made you want to, to write her? Thank you, Hannah. And thank you all. I cannot see you. I, I just see, like, <laughs> blackness there. So, oh, now I do see you. Hello, nice seeing you here. You do exist. Yeah. So, um, I think it's, it's a novel. It's always a mystery how you write a novel, yeah? And then, but then you have to talk about it. So, I think you create a mythology of how your novel came to. And I have many mythologies for, for, for Tikin and for uh, Abyss, how, how I created them. Um, I think Abyss, it's uh, my novel about Kali. Yeah, I wanted, and I was mature enough to write it. And I think it's the novel I was trying to write since I was a, a, a little girl. When I was seven or six, maybe, I was told I was not good at math, but, oh, you write so beautifully, yeah? So one of the first th things I did as soon as I had enough words to write was writing a, a, a story. I called it a poem, but it was actually story. Mm. And it was about a clown that had makeup like as a happy face. Mm. Yeah, but inside he was very sad um, because very bad tra tragedies had happened to him. Yeah, and uh, to me now, remembering that story that I wrote when I was so young, I think as a little girl I could tell there was a distance between how we acted to the outside and how we really felt, yeah? And that was very apparent in my city where appearances mm. are very important. And I think that, that that has always been my big theme, yeah? And Abyss, it's my biggest attempt at writing that, mm. yeah? And I had, I, I lived in the mountains of Cali in an area like it is described there, like the, in, like the countryside house where they go to stay, where the family goes. I lived in a place like that. I grew up as any child from any place with the fear of being orphaned, yeah? Mm -hmm. And uh, going from Cali to the mountains uh, through a very narrow and dangerous road where you could see every some meters across that marked the place where a person had died there in an accident, mm. yeah? Made me afraid of, 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 made that my fear of being orphaned made it real, yeah? Mm. Uh, and so that's that's I think how how mm. I came so the to inner, write it. the inner and, and outer abysses uh, of your childhood sort of woke this story in you. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, I feel that in this book, the abysses uh, also are very much part of a, of a female world. Even if this little girl, she has a father and, and a mother, but it's the mother and the women 
both the imaginary women or the women that the, mo the mother talks about. The mother talks a lot about... The mother is obsessed with... Uh, dead actresses, for example, with uh, Natalie Wood and Grace Kelly and so on. Uh, actresses that died in strange circumstances. Glamorous women, yeah. Glamorous women that died in, in strange um, circumstances. And she, she also, she overshares a lot of her thoughts. Yes on death and also erotic love and so on with her daughter. So so the daughter, uh, I mean, the book is a lot about this symbiotic relation with the mother and the, the abysses are very re related to the mother. And I, I really thought about this, I don't know if you know him, it's a French uh, psychoanalysis, André Green, he had this, uh, this concept, uh, the dead mother concept, mm -hmm. that is the, um, the, the, the destructive identification with a mother, a dead mother that is a, a depressed or, or emotionally unavailable mother. Mm -hmm. And this really summons up uh, Claudia's life in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I think for me, this, mo this novel allowed me to go back into the past, not my past, but maybe like to go back in time and look into the 80s with my childhood eyes but with the understanding I have now it, it, it was like revisiting the places revisiting the places of my childhood and the situations of my childhood with new eyes mm. yeah and for example in the 80s there were glamorous women that were portrayed with a whiskey in their hands like this and they were so glamorous and we wanted to be like them yeah or they were in their pajamas mm. yeah silk pajamas with pills there, yeah? And they were glamorous, yeah? And now I look back and I'm like, my God, they were depressed, yeah? yeah. yeah? And so I felt the need to tell those stories, not to people, but mostly to myself, yeah? To, I need to revisit these places of my childhood and rewrite them. And that yeah. I, I actually did to, to, to grip a better understanding of them, yeah? Mm. To, 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 to really fully understand what I saw as a child, mm. yeah? Uh, uh, about the lives of these women that were trapped in golden cages, mm. yeah? The, their lives felt so, seemed so happy, but they were not, yeah? When, uh, like, every girl in the 80s growing up, wanted to be a princess, yeah? And we had a real-life princess that was Princess Diana, mm. yeah? And every woman in my family, mm. from age 6 to age 80, mm. woke up early to see her getting married to Prince Charles, mm. yeah? And she was a woman, a perfect woman, yeah? She was innocent, a virgin, marrying a, a, a prince. And I saw that in the magazines that my mother read, like Ola magazine and these magazines that portrayed these women. Mm -hmm. And then this played a big part in my, in my sentimental education, if you can call it like that, because when I was, I don't know, 12... I started reading the articles and I'm like, oh my God, she's having an affair with the, with the, the horse, horse teacher, what do you call the, the, the guy, the quitacion teacher, yeah? And I'm like, oh, and she was throwing up what she ate and the husband didn't love her and the husband had a lover and I'm like, so... Okay, so she has makeup on the surface and mm. she, she's like my clown as well. Mm. Yeah, so she isn't happy either. So I wanted to go deep into that, into the lives of women that had to portray, had to behave as if they were perfect, perfect and happy, but they were not. Mm. But it's a bit, it's interesting because you have a very it's a, it's a very peculiar solidarity in in the book. I mean, 
the perspective because you you both have this uh, empathy with this golden cage that the mother is is trapped in and that she tries to break on different occasions uh, but also you have the child's uh, experience of, of a mother that that is is devastating devastated in many yes. ways but so so she, the mother uh, really uh, does try to break the cage she does uh, but in, like in, madame bovary i mean she's in, a, in a quite in a quite yeah. uh, brutal way yeah. she she has an affair yeah uh, and it's very vague it's all seen through the eyes of the of the 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 little girl and from that moment when she she's had the the affair and breaks up from the affair uh, and and starts to decides to live on with the father then there's a sort of a uh, the depression or the the her her devastation is more and more present and they go to the countryside and there there also is this other woman uh, a woman since many years back called Rebecca mm -hmm. that has uh, everybody believes she has escaped from her family She's, she just you know she left her children and so on nobody knows uh, but The, this countryside is also full of abysses, full of mountains where it's very dangerous to drive and so on. And we will not spoil the whole story, but but this woman also becomes uh, a symbolic place, uh, an imaginary place for both the mother and Claudia to project their trauma. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like a triangular... Uh, movement between these three. Yes, and it's about the lives of these women that were trapped and they were always walking like uh, in, uh, in the border mm. of the abyss. Mm. Yeah, and they had like uh, three options. Keep there. Mm. Yeah, coming back here and trying to be happy or falling falling down the abyss, no? And they were trapped. But when I looked back and started cre really creating Claudia's mother character, mm. she's also called Claudia, and I started thinking, how is she gonna try to escape the life she, she has, yeah? She cannot go and say, okay, I'm getting a divorce because what is she going to do? She, mm. she doesn't have a profession. She can't work. Yeah? She's trapped. She's trapped there. So one way it's, yeah, to find a lover, but then it's death, yeah? And that's the ultimate escape mm. and the real escape, mm. yeah? And I also thought of this idea of how powerful was that, no? That the abyss is not scary because you can fall, but because you have the power to jump, because you have the power to decide for your own life, mm -hmm. yeah? And, and it's kind of a sad power that they have, mm. that they had, no? Mm. Like, that a woman like that had. But it's a liberation or... The, the it is. It's, the, the, it's tempting with the liberation. Yes. and I think that's why she, she was always, like, looking into these magazines for death stories because, oh, she escaped. Look at this one. This one also escaped. It's a wish. Yeah. It's a yeah, wish. It's a dream. Yeah. And, and I think the, the girl, and that's the, the books told not with the words of the little girl, but from her point of view. And we, we, we sense with the little girl, we get this sense that this woman's longing for death. Mm. And that, that's what she wants. And that's very scary for a little girl. Mm. And, and you were saying also that the mother overshares yeah mm. she she tells too much but also she tells nothing of the important stuff yes she should tell claudia listen i'm going through a phase here i have a that she doesn't tell yeah and i think that's the biggest abyss there and it's silence it's what's not told mm. and i think that's it like in latin america we have a fame because we overshare 
and we talk too much. Yeah, but when you go into a family, perhaps we overshare, but we don't talk about what's important. Mm. That, it's untold. Yeah, and that, that's interesting mm. to me as a writer to, to create story of what it's untold. Mm. Of course. And also, I mean, I think that this woman, Rebecca, the, the disappeared woman, mm -hmm. she has actually a cu counterpart in La Perra because mm -hmm. there's also the, the boy, yes. disappeared boy in the ocean that yes. also becomes this uh, symbolic or uh, imaginary place where uh, the Meris uh, puts a lot of fantasies in. Yes, uh, and has as a sort of a strange mirror or a, or, or something like that. But uh, this also uh, makes me think about. I mean, the books are very. Uh, they have many small connections. But I you feel. did something. I'm going to interrupt you because you did hear something fantastic, and it's make make me realize something. Mm. I hadn't thought of that connection. Yeah, but La Perra is my book about the fears. My fear as a mother, mm. yeah? and my worst fear is for my kid to die. Mm. And there's a dead kid there. Yes. Yeah? But Los Abismos, it's about my fear as a daughter. Yes. And the worst fear of a daughter is the death of L a mother, Lucy and the there's a, a dead mm. mother there. Mm. Yeah, so thank you. Mm. <laughs> so, okay. I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. I could help. <laughs> but also, I mean that we have these, I mean, these relational things. But there's also, I mean, it's very obvious that uh, the Maris, I mean, the, the the woman in La Perra and the girl in uh, Los Abismos, they um, they share some things, but they also live under extremely different circumstances, under yes. extremely different material condi conditions. Yes. And, and I mean, it strikes me also that you, in both of these books, you, you, um, you go into a, a very mm, distinct class uh, environment. Do you feel also, as a writer, that you are... Um, a writer that explore class society? Absolutely. Mm. And I think if you are from Colombia and you don't do it, you're weird. Yeah? <laughs> Because Colombia is one of the countries of the world with the most inequalities. Yeah? And the, most, the country with the most inequalities in the region. Mm. So it's there. Like, I grew up in a household where we had a really small room farthest away from everything, darkest, and a woman lived there that served us, yeah? And that was normal for everyone. And I grew up believing that was normal. Mm. Uh, and, and, and I didn't see it for what it is. I had to grow up, uh, uh, live uh, far away, read many things to realize that was a kind of slavery, mm. you know? Mm. It took me my whole life to realize that and so I, I think it's my duty to 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 portray that mm. inequality mm. yeah we live in a divided country mm. yeah by class and by race mm. yeah and we have privileged women people in Colombia and then people that have nothing mm. and I think I need to to tell that yeah mm -hmm. mm. Thank you. And also, I mean, this La Empleada, we talked about this earlier also, I mean, uh, and the nanny. Mm -hmm. uh, for, for, for Claudia, there is one, one nanny, especially a younger one, that she really likes. But her mother doesn't want her to be too close to her. And she says to her that, no, you are developing a too close relationship with this woman. And she, she gets rid of her, actually. Mm -hmm. It's the only person that, that really, that, that sort of gives, mm -hmm. I mean, gives love to, to Claudia. And she means a lot to her and she's taken away, away from her. It's also this, I mean, you also portray these strange relations connected to a certain class uh, environment. Um, mm -hmm. 
like I was saying stuff like this all the time in Colombia about Cali, how Cali is so racist and so classist, mm. yeah, and people would look to, uh, to me as if they didn't believe me, yeah, but then something happened and it was social unrest in the whole country, yeah, before um, the election of this new president. Mm. And during this social unrest, Cali was one of the main cities where it happened, yeah? The movement there, the popular movement, the uprising was big there. Mm. And there was the black people fighting for the rights because they wanted a better life. And then the mestizos, which in Colombia means white people, yeah, looking at them and trying not to give them anything, yeah? And then the indigenous movement, which is called La Minga, came to Cali for the popular uprising. Mm. And we saw, every Colombian saw in the news that the people from the upper classes came out in their big cars, big camionetas, as we call them, and they started shooting the protesters, the indigenous protesters, and telling them, go back to your place. Mm. Yeah? The, the newspaper of my city, uh, they titled this news, uh, in, the indigenous are um, attacking the citizens as if the indigenous were not citizens, and as if the indigenous were, were the ones attacking, yeah? Just because they dared to come to the city to say, we need better conditions, mm. yeah? And so the whole country saw that what I wrote there is just a little, tiny, um, like, scene of what we have as a country. Mm. Yeah, and what in Cali, because Cali, it's in, it's, it's the, the majority of the population of Cali, it's black people. And in the south of Cali, the indigenous movement, it's huge. Mm. So in Cali, it's like where you can see all the social problems of Colombia very clearly. Mm. Mm. You said you said now that you you feel that you as a writer you have a duty to to portray uh, this classist and racist structure. Um, so do you think it's possible to be? If maybe you do, you consider yourself as a as a political writer in that sense. I think everything is political. Yeah, mm. but what I really want to tell you the truth is to tell a good story mm. and to i want my ambition is for the reader to go into my book as if they go to travel yeah when you go traveling you arrive in a place and you hear a, an accent you see colors different from your own from the sky yeah the food tastes different so I want the reader to go into my book as they travel and to feel like, like, like it's real. That, that's my ambition. But of course, um, my stories and where I stand and where I decide to stand to look into my society, mm. it is a political statement, mm. of course it is. Political and existential yes. at the same same time. Yes. Um, also, um, another thing about these two 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 novels, I, I just come back to these mirrors that I see all the time between them because we also have the the jungle, the notion of the jungle and the the reality of the jungle. I mean, in La Perra, we really have the jungle, and it, the jungle is is something a, a sphere, a zone of 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 danger and and the unknown, and and also a, I mean, a reality in in everyday life. Uh, and then we have the jungle in uh, Los Abismos, that is the 
the the um, the collection of of uh, what do you say? Um, alltså krukväxter. Varför skjuter de heter det på? <laughs> I can't yeah. help you with your. No, the flowers of the mother. I, I mean, Claudia's yes. mother, that is cultivating a whole jungle. They call it the jungle in the house, uh, with um, interior plants. Interior plants, and she also calls them. Or, or, or Claudia says at some point. She says, um, "What does she say about the jungle?" She says, "It's the the jungle is." The jungle is the the deceased, uh, her mother's deceased. Yes. Yeah, it's sort of her her way of of cultivating uh, the memory of her her dead people, her or and also maybe cultivating her own sorrow. Yes. Her own. Um, sense of loneliness and so on so we have this artificial jungle and, and I mean very in the very beginning of the novel we have the girl looking down on the jungle from the stair in the house and, and she looks into this jungle, the mother's collection of plants uh, as looking into an abyss Yes. Uh, also uh, tell me about the jungle, why is the, the jungle something so strongly recurring in these two uh, novels, in different shapes, but still uh, a presence, mm-hmm. strong presence. I like nature. Yeah, I like it. I, I lived in the jungle for nine years, so mm. there was that. And I'm from Cali, a city that literally uh, looks like it has huge saber trees, They told us the name today in Swedish of the Seiba tree, and I can't remember now. But they're huge trees, yeah, and samanes, which are hundreds years old. It's a city with those trees, so it's inevitable if you're from there and you're going to write about that place. Well, you have to observe that and, 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 and put it there. Um, with... Especially creating Claudia's character was, I enjoyed so much creating that character. Claudia, the daughter, came easy to me because I could identify with her. Mm. Yeah, I was that little girl. Yeah, but the mother, no. That was mm. not me, not a reflection of me as a mother. Mm. Yeah, and that was a villain. Yeah, but every villain. I think in literature, you have to humanize her. Mm. Yes, it, you, it, it can't be just a villain because she's a villain, like I don't know, in cartoons. Mm. Where you can make evil characters and they're mm. evil because, and mm. that's it. Yeah, so I wanted also to give her, she was not a good mother because she couldn't. Mm. She had emotional problems, but I wanted to give her something beautiful that she could create. Mm. And she was able to create a jungle. Yeah. So she was able to give life. She mm. was she she, yes. she 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 had love in her. Yeah. You could we, we and she actually she see. nurtures these plants more than, than she nurtures yes. the child. But we no. know that she has that and that's a, a good quality she has. So mm. so there's that. Also mm, i think when creating story, uh, because I want the reader to go as if they're traveling, and I want to put elements there of nature, but not just as decor. I want those elements to reflect something about the story. Mm. Yeah? So you see in Tikken that the jungle takes people, mm. takes the dog yeah. and then... Flowers. Yeah. Yes, the same as the sea, yeah? And, and here's, well, I think the abyss and nature were a metaphor for Claudia's inner states, yeah? For her pain, for her longing for love, for her isolation 
for the silence. Mm. Yes, and she, I mean, Claudia also, she, I mean, she, she can't have any voice somehow because nobody asks her to have one. No. But uh, then we have Paulina. Yes. The doll. Yes. Uh, that is a doll also that is a present from her aunt. That is the woman with a boyfriend that the mother, her, Claudia's own mother, has a, uh, an, affair an affair with. Yes. So it's a very complicated uh, love affair. And she gives her this doll, Paulina. And yes. what 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 happens to Paulina and 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 Claudia's voice? I mean, mm -hmm. Claudia, it's a lonely girl. Yeah, she has not her mother to talk to. Her father, no, not even think about it. Mm. Yeah, maybe the aunt. Yes. Yes, they talk, but then she loses that relationship. Mm. Yeah, but she gets Paulina, mm. and Paulina becomes more and more her companion. Mm. Yeah, also it happens something very strange there. Um, um, I had a doll in the novel because it was a novel with a protagonist who's a girl, so girls have dolls. Mm. Yeah, but then I cannot put an element. Chekhov told us, taught us that if you put a gun into a short story, you have to fire it. Mm. Yeah, it cannot be there just because you want to put it there. If you have a, a character that takes a, a, a gun and puts it there, so Paulina is the gun. Paulina is yeah. the gun. Yeah, but if you have a doll, imagine you want to watch a movie today and you're scrolling through. Netflix and you see a movie that has a doll, you know that's terror. You know, yeah. yeah? So I'm like, my God, I have a, a, a doll that more and more is becoming kind of more human and it's like the girls talking to the doll, mm. yeah? So the novel also started to becoming more and more gothic. Yeah. yeah, but I really so. don't feel that Paulina is so got gothic. But it's, it's I mean, she's she she has some gothic quality, but still she's this she's just this place where where Claudia puts her voice. It's a possibility for her to to, to speak about yes. how she feels. Yes, and for and the first time, maybe be able to to talk about what it what it does to her yeah and also uh, paulina allows her mm. to tell her parents yes i'm having problems and you're not listening to me mm. yeah and finally they listen they to do her. listen yeah yes they exactly do that, that yeah but also i mean this book was called the abyss mm. somebody had to fall <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. We will not spoil the whole story, but uh, <laughs> but mm -hmm. <laughs> I lost myself in the yeah. abyss here. Um, but now, when you're talking about the the Chekhov's gun and so on, and about that you want to tell a story and so on. Because I, I feel that it seems like, when, when I read you, it's, it's like your stories just come out as they are, as if they, they just pour out of you like, like, like a waterfall. Uh, but do you, do you work a lot uh, on them? How, how is your process? Do you, do you write and then change a lot? Or how, 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 do, you, how do you do it? Because they, it's, there are also, uh, maybe, maybe La Perra more, because it's also shorter, so it has this, this very um, tight composition. Uh, but also uh, Los Abismos. How do you, I mean... Does it come out like that, or or? Uh, I wish. Yeah, no, you 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 work it. <laughs> I wish. No, yeah. I have friends that they every year they write a story and it comes out and they publish it and I'm like, 
How could you? Yeah, please teach me. Yeah, for a beast, I had, it was a gothic novel I was writing and then it wasn't. And then it was a book about the mother. I, I wrote the whole story from scratch five times. Mm. And then three more times I rewrote it, not from scratch, but big parts, yeah? So it's eight drafts, mm. yeah? And I rewrite a lot, mm. yeah? And I, 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 I work obsessively, mm. yeah? So I, I'm a planner and I always have a plan. Mm. I call it an escaleta, which I have all detailed what's going to happen in every chapter, in every, mm-hmm. no, action is going to happen like this. And then most, most times it works and I work with that and I successfully finish the novel. Not most times, that's a lie. Yeah, most times I throw it away. Yeah, but sometimes I, 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 I finally succeed and I get a novel. Mm. Uh, with this one, that plan didn't work. And I had to make another plan and then another plan. And then I had 40 pages and they served. But for the second part, it was a very difficult and draining process. Mm. Yeah. And every six months, I'm like, I finished. And I gave to a reader I have. And they're like, no, you haven't. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to rewrite this again. Mm. No. So, yeah, it's a painful process. And then, And I hate it. But I love planning the story. And then when I have my first final draft, mm. I love rewriting. Yeah. And I know the story's there. Uh. Yeah. That rewriting there, I, I, I like mm. it. Mm. And then I start writing in the language. I want the language to be as invisible as possible. I want it not to tell the reader, hi, this is language of this novel and I'm here. I want the reader to forget there's language there and uh, lose, lose themselves in the story. That, mm. that it's like going to a movie mm. where you don't know you're watching a movie. You're mm. just, something's happening and then at the end you're like, oh, I was in the movies. Oh, this wasn't happening. Mm. No, I, I, I would like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and m- m- the language in my novels seems very simple but in reality it's really complicated because it takes me yeah. a lot of time to get to that stage yeah mm-hmm. it's, it has this both this feeling of being very carved mm-hmm. very very tight uh, but also light mm-hmm. I mean it's it's interesting to hear your process because this is nothing you feel when you read you it's 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 very this Easy. like a small yeah. rain. It's very yeah. Yeah, but it's not like that. No, no. It's you, up it's there. Pain. I'm like Only with a, with an axe, <laughs> cutting words like this until they're like little mm. sticks. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But for example, I mean, uh, all these connections, these repetitions, I would say, from La Perra, uh, but in a completely different. Uh, were they? Were they conscious or, or, or did they just come up like that? I mean, these characters and these different uh, pieces. I think when I finished La Perra, mm. I needed to write the exact opposite novel mm. of La Perra. Yeah, because the theme there that called me was motherhood. And motherhood so complex... Yeah, in one day of being a mother, I can be like in a hurry and we have to eat breakfast and then I look at my son and he does something that makes me really angry and then I want to run away and be free and not, don't be a mother again and then my kids fall, fall, fall asleep and I look at him and I say, this is the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah, and I'm the happiest mother on earth. And... I think I only said one little thing in La Perra about motherhood. Mm. And in Los Abismos, I, I, I said another thing. So, yeah. Los Abismos, the, Claudia's mother, she 
if you ask her, perhaps she didn't want to be a mother, but she finds herself being a mother. And that's a way of inhabiting motherhood. There are many and women also like she's, that. She's talking constantly about, about be, not being like her own mother. Yes. Yes. Uh, but and, and her own mother was cold and so on, and, and she is not. Yes. She thinks. She, uh, yes. Uh, she tries not to, yeah. but she end up, it mm. ends up being the same. Yeah. And then they're from a privileged um, social class, and in a vacation they go to the Colombia's Pacific coast to a cabin. Mm. Yeah. And in that cabin, Perfectly, a, a, a lady like Damaris yes. of La Perra worked Maybe. there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I think it's the same universe, yeah. but two sides of the same universe. Damaris, her only wish has been to be a mother, mm. and she hasn't been able to get pregnant. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, it's, it's the same theme, just... Uh, it's like a coin and the two sides of the coin. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Exactly. But I mean, um, as you have told it now, uh, it seems also that uh, Los Abismos, uh, it's closer to your own biographical, your own life yes. experience. Uh, But La Perra was that, well. was that more difficult? To write Los yeah, Abismos because yeah. it was, in, in, but I, I wouldn't say La Perra isn't. Like nobody has asked me if I'm Damaris. They've asked me, are you Claudia? And I'm yeah. like, well, mm -hmm. no, but I'm both Damaris and yeah. Claudia. They're, they're both inside me. Yeah, but if they ask me, I am La Perra. Yeah, I am the dog. Mm. Yeah, I am this girl that wanted freedom, and my mother was like, "No, you don't go away. You, you, please stay with me." Yeah, and I just went away and lived my life. Mm. So, I think I am there too, and I think um, Tikin reflects my own experience living in the jungle. Yeah, and as well, I had a very late desire of becoming a mother mm. but I did have that desire later in life and I can identify with the Maris in that desire as well mm. yeah and I can identify less as a mother with Claudia's mother mm. but also I can because sometimes I find myself looking in the mirror and saying today you behave just like your mother mm. and you promise never to be like your mother you know what I mean I, I find myself doing stuff like that and as well I'm, I'm, I'm little Claudia uh, growing up with emotionally unavailable parents yeah, yeah? Mm -hmm. but it's also interesting I mean Rogelio and uh, the father of uh, Claudia, Rogelio in La Perra, yes. the husband of, uh, of uh, Damaris and, and then the father of, of Claudia in Los Abismos, they are both uh, sort of oppressive, uh, but they are also not so important characters. Mm -hmm. It's the... I mean, secondary it's the, characters. It's the secondary characters. It's, it's, the, it's the female characters that really have the the depths uh, in both of these novels. Um, why is that? I don't know. <laughs> I have Women no are more idea. interesting. Maybe. Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so to me, yeah, maybe so. I, I have written male characters, but I always find that my female characters are more interesting. Mm. And maybe I... Uh, It's a feeling I have in real life, life too. Uh, yeah, well. I know, I know. No, I, I just wanted to hear you say yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, now we're beginning to uh, come to an end here. Um, yeah. How did how did writing begin for you? Did you always want to write? Yes. Since the, this also this clown story you told about the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and it's strange because no girl, if you ask, is going to say, I want to be a writer. I think I didn't even know what a writer was, yeah? But I think I always wanted to be a writer, mm. even if I didn't put it like that, yeah? When I read, I was like 14 years old and I read 
crónica de una muerte anunciada. How do you say that in? Chronicle of a death foretold. Yeah. Yes. When I read that, I couldn't sleep until I finished it, and I finished it, and I'm like, oh my god. How old were you then? Fourteen, maybe. Mm. I went to school, I came back, and I read it again. And I finished it, and I read it again. Mm. And maybe I read it five times in a row, and I knew then that's what I want to do. Mm. Yeah? I want to become a person that writes stories like this. I want to obsess a person like this book obsessed me. Mm. Yeah? And I think that's a very young age yeah, it is. to know what you want to do. And then everything I did in my life, was because I wanted to be a writer. What I studied, what I read, what I did mm. was with that thought. Mm. Yeah, because I had that ambition and I mm. think that's weird. Mm. <laughs> It is. Yeah. yeah. But of course it's it's uh, tempting to be someone who can obsess people. Of course. So, I mean, yes. Yeah, but weird, no? Yeah. For a 14-year-old girl, why did I have that ambition? I have no idea. So, so it's it a mystery didn't come to from me. Home, I mean, there were not. not it, no, in my um, in my mother's house, there were some condoritos that I don't know how to say condoritos. So the Colombian and the Latin American know that what's that? That's like a, that's like um, comic books, yeah, and some revistas, some hola magazines, and there was. A chronicle of a death foretold. Mm. There was that book there. Then my father had a huge library at his home and he taught me the love for books and he mm. taught me knowledge was in book books. He did that, yeah? Mm. And we both were... He, he, he taught me to read literature and also science. So... Mm, My taste for books comes from him, but he's not a writer. Mm. He does. He's a, a reader. reader. Mm. Yes. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. So you, at 14 years old uh, of age, you just knew. Yes, and I've always lived of writing. Mm. Not, not my books, but of writing. Yeah. When I graduated from university, I wrote TV scripts, and I wrote telenovelas, and I wrote... TV series, uh -huh. and then I wrote for advertisement, and then I wrote books. Mm. <laughs> Fantastic. So now we have reached the end. I'm so happy to have been able to talk to you today, and that all of you came. And uh, thank you again, Pilar, for this talk. No, thank you, Hannah. Thank you, really, and thank you all for being here. Thank you.